When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. KYA is sponsored by Penguin Teen. In Beasts of Prey by Ayana Gray, we follow Coffee, who possesses dangerous power that helps her ward off the Shatani monster, but could also get her killed. Meanwhile, Econ dreams of becoming a warrior, something he believes will become a reality if he and Coffee can bring down the Shatani for good. This highly anticipated YA trilogy combines monsters, mythos, and hashtag Black Girl Magic as two Black teenagers strike a dangerous alliance to hunt down the creature menacing their home, uncovering ancient deadly secrets in the process. Beasts of Prey is on sale now. Welcome to Hey YA, episode 103. From great books to favorite classic reads, from new stories to the latest in on-screen adaptions, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book riot podcast, and today we have host Erica Fetty, myself, and Jen Northington. Jen is visiting from Book Riot's Get Booked podcast, and we are recording on September 27th, 2021. Hey, Jen. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. It's always a good time, you know. I know. I feel like I'm getting to do so much podcasting with you. It's delightful. (laughs) It's very fun, yes. Yes, Kelly is on vacation, and so you are all stuck with me instead. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> right. We love it. We love all of them. Kelly and Jen, wonderful. Yes. So what have you what have you been up to since we last recorded? <laughs> well, <laughs> I've been reading a lot of books. Yes. I'm actually super grateful that you let me pick the theme for this episode mm-hmm. because I have read a bunch of dystopia YA nice, nice. this year and adult actually, but this dystopia in particular seems to be having like a moment at least in my TBR. I don't know about mm-hmm. everybody else's. So, and it's a thing I've been thinking about for like 20 years now. So <laughs> I like, I like talk about it so suffice to say you're like a little excited about it just a little little bit just a little bit bit. yeah I love it what attracts you to dystopian I both love it and hate it and Mm. I think I love it because it makes me it like can be very cathartic right Mm because we have all experienced terrible governments in our lives and terrible corporations for that matter sometimes both I mean oftentimes both yeah pretty much And so, like, that is cathartic, but also sometimes I'm like, this is too real for me. Like, I can't, this is not escapist enough. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I do. I go back and forth, yeah. I feel like I actually have not, this was a good challenge for me because I I feel like I need to step out of my comfort zone Mm. and, like, step out of things that I'm usually, I lean towards more. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times when you do that, you'll find that, you know, you like other things too. But as I was trying to like go through my Rolodex of dystopian YA, I was like, huh. I realize I don't read it as much. And I think it's because I'm a big weenie Mm. and I'll be like, this is a little too real. And I'm feeling (laughs) some type of way about this. Mm -mm." I mean, yeah. So I'm, I'm definitely, I definitely feel you on the, this is too real. Mm. And now I need to go 
have some ice cream because you yes. got me my feelings. Right. Read like a rom-com or something. Exactly. A little palate cleanser. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's see. Should we hear from a sponsor before we start talking about dystopia for reals? Yeah, definitely. All right. So our sponsor is Flatiron Books, publisher of Once Upon a Broken Heart by Stephanie Garber. This is from the number one New York Times bestselling author of Caraval, which made some big waves back when it first came out uh, here at Book Riot and everywhere else. Once Upon a Broken Heart is the first book in a new series about love, curses, and the lengths that people will go to for happily ever after. For as long as she can remember, Evangeline Fox has believed in true love and happy endings until she learns that the love of her life will marry another. Desperate to stop the wedding and heal her wounded heart, Evangeline strikes a deal with the charismatic but wicked Prince of Hearts. She soon learns that bargaining with an immortal being is a dangerous game. Once Upon a Broken Heart is out now. I do love a dangerous bargain with an immortal being. <laughs> I mean, that's the best kind of bargain. And what obviously. else do you do with immortal beings? You bargain right. with them. Right. I mean, yes, you got to keep it spicy. Yes. <laughs> So we're getting into dystopian YA, kind of like comparing the more recent titles to like the Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you feel about the Hunger Games, like that whole era? Right. So I, I went back and poked around and I, it's first of all, hard to believe that that came out in 2008. Like that's mm. like, that's 13 Mm-mm. years ago. It's, I don't want to, I'm calling the police on you right now for saying that, <laughs> ma'am. <laughs> Like Divergent also came out in 2008. Corey Doctor's little brother came out in 2008. Like 2008 Mm -mm. was a year for dystopia. It was popping for dystopia. It was. And so now here I have to inject a little bit of a soapbox here because, and this is like a, maybe this is like the opposite of a soapbox. So I used to be really (laughs) hung up about the actual like definition of the Mm -hmm. word dystopia because I had read somewhere and I actually was, I in prepping for the show, I tried to find it. I couldn't find it, Mm -hmm. but I had read somewhere that like, okay, so we all know what a utopia is, right? Like it's a, it's a future, a form of government or even past, but it's a form of government where everything is perfect. Yeah. And so I had read somewhere that a dystopia is where it looks perfect, but is actually evil. So, and I was like obsessed with the idea that everybody was using dystopia. (laughs) I would get really mad about it. (laughs) Rant about it on my socials or whatever. What was the reception to that, Jen? How did people receive that? I was very popular at parties. Just in the corner ranting about yeah. dystopian true like, meeting with like, like a cranberry right. vodka. I don't like know your it matters, of. first right. of all. Like second right. of all, who cares? Like it's right. just so funny. <laughs> but anyway, so I was obsessed right. with that. And then but then also I do think that it's true that dystopia can be overused. Like people apply mm-hmm. it to just any old thing and you're like, okay, well, maybe that's not actually dystopia. Right. So I was trying to think I'm like, what now that I'm over my like weird obsession mm-hmm. with a non-existent definition that I could not actually find supporting evidence for anywhere <laughs> what, what do i think of as dystopia and and i even go i was like what did, what does the internet think that dystopia right. like, what does wikipedia think that dystopia is and the definition seems to be like a truly terrible government right so right. Like, when you think about like hunger games and you know divergent and little brother etc you do have these like 100 evil to the core mm governments like there's no Mm -hmm. it's all evil there's no good in there and 
It was interesting to think about because you can have a terrible government that is not also evil. To, I mean, sometimes it is. Sometimes there's good intentions involved, but it's still terrible. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people are make, making trades, quote unquote, that, mm-hmm. you know, and justifies the means kind of things. And also, I think publishers use this as a marketing category as opposed Definitely. to an actual like 100 percent definition of what's in the book. Yeah. So I decided I was just going to play Lucy Goosey with that. <laughs> right. No, I think that's the way to go. And even as you're speaking, like and what you said before about what draws you to dystopians and kind of what kind of pushes you away, mm. like the idea of like the bad government. It's interesting In prepping for this, I saw um, a Book Riot article from about like 2019 talking about why dystopian uh, novels. And it was talking about how um, a lot of the dystopians, they basically just illustrate things that people of color go through, Mm. basically like communities of color. And I was like, is that why I don't like them? (laughs) (laughs) It's not because it's like, because it's like, like, I don't need this. I I don't need this. Don't tell me about uh -uh, go on with your book, you know, Mm. because I, you know, I, it's funny because when Handmaid's Tale on Hulu Mm. uh, with the fabulous Elizabeth Moss, sis can act period. Mm. Okay. So when that first came out, um, it was really well, it's, it still is good. And I was watching it with a friend and stuff. And, I, and we were talking about how, or rather I was talking about how I was like, well, this is just like the story of black women's experiences mm. since they've been brought to the, you know, mm-hmm. what became the United States, like this land mass that's now known as the United States. I was like, where's the difference? And yeah. I'm like, it's just packaged in a different way. And I mean, the repackaging can be useful in helping people, you know, step outside of their preconceived notions and stuff and helping them see other people's perspectives, which is a great use for, I don't know if use is the right verb here, but Mm. something that like speculative fiction and science fiction fantasy does really well. You know, it has these analogies like, okay, there's this alien race of people, but it represents discrimination, you know, all that good Mm -hmm. stuff. And yeah, I think just to... I just wanted to let's say like why just to dive a little deeper into I think what my slight aversion is to dystopian yeah. YA is like because some people I have a friend who mostly reads nonfiction and she's black and she likes to read a lot about like the struggle you know mm-hmm. and I'm like girl no thanks <laughs> give me a some world building and there could be some struggle in it but I'm not trying to hear about something that like happened down the street yeah. You know, so it's just like, it's interesting. I never heard, maybe this is to your point of what you were saying a few minutes ago. I've never heard of dystopian, like the meaning being like bad governments with like a seemingly perfect facade. Mm-hmm. I had never really heard it's, of that. It's like maybe... Aeon Flux, right? Like you're, you're an mm. anime fan. It's like oh, that Aeon yes. Flux thing, right? Where it's like the, on the surface, it's all shiny and beautiful. Mm-hmm. But then you find out that underneath there are dark secrets that make it shiny and beautiful. yeah. yeah. I mean, that definitely, I mean, like when you say it like that, I'm like the United States right, black exactly. people, for black people. hundred percent. Uh, I feel like I need to apologize for picking this topic. No, <laughs> no, you're good. No, I'm no, sorry no. to have done this to you. <laughs> no, Jay, you're good. <laughs> okay, okay. You like triggered me. No, I no, no, no. <laughs> It's good because I I only I tend to gravitate just towards like a few types of books. So I like being stretched out, like, you Mm. know, expanded upon. No, and it's also good to like just revisit or analyze why I'm not drawn to certain things. Yeah. Well, also just to say to name it, I I love what you said about it's just 
like showcasing what happens to people of color mm-hmm. because I do a couple of my picks. One of my picks in particular is 100% like this already happened. Mm -hmm. We're just going to make it a little more sci-fi so that y'all know about it. And I I think that's both really valuable and really important to name. Like that that's that. Yeah. The experiences that like Handmaid's Tale, for example, those women are going through have 100% happened to black women, other indigenous, indigenous women, like other women of color throughout history. And Margaret Atwood has actually said about all of her sci-fi mm-hmm. that she's not making anything up. She's, right. Everything that she writes about has already happened somewhere in her mm-hmm. books. So like she doesn't actually name that it's women of color, but like mm-hmm. it, you know, she's, yeah. she isn't making anything up. This, right. this stuff happens. And I think that you're right too in that it's one of those things where it can be, right, books can be a mirror and or a window. And like a lot of things, I think with dystopia in particular, is a window for people to see outside of their own experiences and then draw parallels to like, yeah, what's what happens in Hunger Games versus what happens in my life right now, mm-hmm. pa- no, potentially definitely. to other people. Definitely. And it can even help, say, for me, someone like me. Well, I was going to say my friend reads nonfiction about like the Black struggle. Right. So like some people like go towards that like pain and that struggle and others like me, i.e. the weenies, we like kind of <laughs> run skitter away. <laughs> right. But um, I was going to say, like, um, even for people who are experiencing it, you know, reading about it can help us put a name to it and be like, okay, Mm. I didn't know why I was feeling some type of way. But this character in this YA dystopian novel said X, Y, Z, and that really hit. And now I understand Mm. why I feel this way about the government, even though other people say maybe I shouldn't feel some type of way, et cetera, et cetera. Mm, you know mm, what I mean so mm-hmm. it can definitely be good I think part of, don't feel bad I'm not triggered Jen you didn't trigger <laughs> okay. me because I again I I even wrote something for insiders about like this kind of like discovering romance I didn't yeah. used to read romance so you know I'm like oh this is cute mm-hmm. you know I didn't have a reason for not reading it mm-hmm. but I'm just like okay this is cute like especially when I'm um you know after I've just read like hello books about zombies and witches like you do then I'm like, okay, this is a cute little palette cleanser. So I'm always happy to be kind of like ushered out of my usual fare. So don't feel mm, bad. Okay. <laughs> for making you feel, don't feel bad. I'm like totally not triggered. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad it was a good experience yes. in some way. The, I, and to go back to your original question, which was like, how do we feel about dystopia mm-hmm. now versus 2008? I think the mm-hmm. biggest difference, which you'll see based on both of our picks, is that it's not white authors. It's not all just white authors getting published with dystopias mm. anymore. Like the, we, I, we've got, you know, a full slate of authors from various different ethnicities or races and like mm-hmm. experiences and and that to me is the biggest difference because when I started trying to name all of the ones from you know the late aughts and then the early teens mm-hmm. like they were largely by white folks and that is so true I didn't even think of that yeah and that. you know those are also the ones that like got the adaptations for yes. example and like it remains to be seen you know how many of these but like we've already seen some good deals come through for for YA authors of color and like I hope mm-hmm. that that will continue and that some of these get turned into, you know, movies or TV shows or whatever, because they're they're real good. Yeah, they're pretty good. Real quick before we get into the books, I know we've been chit-chatting for a minute. What did you think of Hunger Games when it first came out? Oh, like, right. You when you first read it. So <laughs> I really was into it. I mm-hmm. think that it, I mean, I was old for it at the time. I was no. post-college. Yeah, I was post-college. So like I wasn't 
you know, I was in my 20s. I wasn't 13. But I felt a lot like what I felt like at that age. Like I was early interested in politics and like, Mm -hmm. you know, I idolized the 70s as a teenager and like all the 60s and 70s, like Mm. all of the protests and the, you know, counterculture stuff. And I was like at college, I was like up in protests about like labor rights and stuff. I mean, not all the time, but I did. And I was trying to, you know, cultivate my awareness of those kinds of issues. And, you know, I had mixed success with (laughs) with programming (laughs) myself. That's a lifelong project. But it really felt real to me in that way that I was like, yes, oppression happens. And it is really cool to read about some girl being like, not not today. Like, I'm not going to I'm not going to play your game. I reject your game. Mm -hmm. And then and I think this was very controversial. A lot of people hated that third book, right? Like did not like the way it ended. But to Mm -hmm. me, I was like, well, it get like trauma and PTSD mm-hmm. and like not the perfect life is what's gonna happen. Like you put yeah. someone through the things that those characters have gone through and like this is like this feels like pretty close to like mm-hmm. what could maybe actually happen. So I yeah and then I have not re- I confess I have not reread them since I first read them. So I have no I idea how either. I would feel about now. Yeah. What yeah. about you? Did you like were you into that stuff or definitely I was still I was still in college. And I remember staying up like, I think I I read it before I read it um, once it had gotten a lot of buzz, the books Mm -hmm. before they were made into movies. So in Mm -hmm. that in between, I was like, okay, I keep hearing about this. Let me read this. And I definitely stayed up like all night, one weekend (laughs) reading all three of them. So it's kind of a blur, you know, when Mm -hmm. you marathon a show or a book and you're like, Mm -hmm. I loved it. And then people are like, what happened? I'm like, I don't know. But I liked it. No, I do remember most of what happened. I, I, no, I definitely liked it. Super dark and depressing, but mm-hmm. dystopian. Hello. So I do think that I have. I also have not reread them. So, but I, I mean, I remember a lot of what happened. It's interesting comparing these dystopian novels that we've read recently that we're going to get into soon. Um, those feel more real to me than Mm. Hunger Games did when I was reading it. Mm. It could be because although Hunger Games is clearly based on like the United States, you know, and it had like, you know, at least that kind of real basis for a setting. But I I feel like the the more current ones feel, feel more real. And it could be because maybe they are, maybe they have more elements of reality, or maybe because I'm older and I'm better at recognizing similarities maybe mm. i'm not sure because i haven't reread the hunger games so it's like, right um i definitely like you was also i was also like you know down with the people you know <laughs> and stuff like that so i feel like i would have i would have noticed analogies and references to discrimination and unfairness but I mean, I am definitely older now. So I will say, just like to wrap that up, I I, def- I feel like the ones now feel like a little more closer to home and mm-hmm. reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Well, so should I like just dive in? Should I talk about definitely. my first one? I yeah. actually did notice an interesting trend. Two of my picks have uh, mecha. Uh, three of my picks have mechas, like you know the big robot things mm-hmm. that people jump inside of and and use to battle their foes. And so, <laughs> like, like you do. And, and I don't, I don't know if that's just like a if that's happening across you know YA sci-fi mm-hmm. or if it's specific to the dystopic ones, but. 
Anyway, so my first pick, speaking of meccas, is Gear Breakers by Zoe Hanna Mikuta, which is the first in the Gear Breakers series. And let me tell you, this ending is going to destroy you. So I warned you that there is a very emotional cliffhanger at the end of this book. We have to wait for the next one. But I loved this. It is about uh, you. You're following two different narrators um, who are two queer young women who are on opposite sides of this definitely 100% dystopian government situation. So Eris is outside of the government. She is what's called a gearbreaker. She's a rebel. She like lives in a rebel compound that's hidden from the authorities. And, you know, their goal is to go out and take down these mecha warrior robots that uh, are being piloted by the military of Gadolia and to like scavenge them for parts and try to get weapons for themselves. And they want to like take down this whole terrible Godolian government. And then she gets captured on one of these adventures and she meets Sona, who is one of the pilots of these mechas. They're called the windups, but she is one of the pilots. And they like find out that they have a thing in common, which is that Sona is trying to take down the government from the inside because of what happened to her as a child, which you find out. And they like set out to do their rebel business together. And there's all kinds of great, amazing side characters. I loved, like, there's a whole team of these rebel kids working together to do the thing. And I also really appreciated that this book names that these are children, like functionally, you know, they're teenagers, Mm -hmm. but like they are not adults and they have been turned into violent monsters Mm. by the situations that they're in. And like the book really leans into that in a way that I felt was really important because I think so often when you see like, oh yeah, rebels like doing the thing, making the hard choices, it like Mm -hmm. sort of glorifies it or, you know, romanticizes what that's like. But like these two girls are like super aware that they're like killing people and like Mm -hmm. making choices that are going to lead to people that are going to get killed and like other people that they love are going to die. And that's not cool. Like that's not, they should not have to deal with that at the age that they're at. So the Mm -hmm. world has like created these monsters in them that they feel like they don't have a choice but to become these monsters because of the circumstances that they're living in. And like also, you know, there's romance and explosions Mm -hmm. and like action and like all the, you know, skullduggery, like it's all the good things. But I think it's really thoughtful about those as well. And I love that combination. Definitely. Like I haven't read that. That's on my list. But I definitely come across times where kids and teenagers are written to be to like kind of sound too old Mm -hmm. and it's like yes you have kids that are more mature for their age but like the way they're pontificating is like that's a 25 year old man you know what I mean so I I like the idea that and again with dystopian because of the nature of it like these kids are definitely damaged and going to you know feel the repercussions of what they have to do to survive in their world later Mm -hmm. so you know, PTSD is real. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely like how that sounds. So my first book I will talk about is We Set the Dark on Fire by Taylor K. Maya. 
And this is the first in a series. For thousands of years, elite women have been sorted into one of two categories of wife, one to bear children and one to run the household. So like the Primeras are the ones that kind of like run the household. They're very like kind of logical, somewhat cold, emotionless. And the Segundas are the ones that have... I guess, more of an intimate relationship with the husband. And it's like, as I'm saying it, my skin's crawling a little bit, a lot of it. Um, And speaking of Handmaid's Tale, not too Mm. far off from that. So uh, main character, Danny, has attended the Medio School for Girls for the last five years to train to become a Primera. She's actually at the school illegally and is originally from outside of the city. Her parents fought really hard to get her into the school so that she could escape the poverty and the poverty of the outer uh, reaches of the world that is in um, the story that is. Um, so her parents fought really hard to get her like fake papers and stuff like that so that she could go to the school and get placed into a rich man's house and live a better life. So after she graduates, she set off to go to one of the richest families in the city. She's approached by the resistance to be a spy. Now, while she has embraced her training as a premiere, she eventually starts to feel like she can't turn her back on where she came from. I will say, though, that Danny, in the beginning, she's kind of like, I'm not really feeling her, I'll be honest. Mm. <laughs> in the beginning, there's like a protest. This is not a spoiler. It's like the very first chapter. There's like a protest. She's waking up and she's like, who are these, you know, who are these kids on my lawn? Mm. No, I'm just kidding. She's like, oh, my God, why are they protesting? Can't they just chill? You know, they're violent. They're disrupting my little quiet life, my, you know, my little bubble that that I've been working so hard to have. And it's kind of like, okay, girl, but you came from that. So what are you talking about? (laughs) What are you talking? So Danny got on my nerves with that a little bit, but I like that it was included because that's real. I think it's that's definitely an examination of privilege and how how inconvenient the reality of discrimination and unfairness and an imbalance, how, how people who are privileged, how they feel that like, they know, like deep down, they know that it's there, but when it comes, like when it surfaces and it's brought into their immediate awareness, they're annoyed. I'm trying to break it down. I'm like, why are they annoyed? They're annoyed. Cause I think deep down, they know it's true, but they don't want to deal with it. And they don't mm-hmm. like the idea of what it implies, which is that all that they have they didn't earn, they don't deserve it, and that they should do something about it. And we see that in real life all the time, mm. right? So Danny, I was not feeling her because of that, but then I was like, you know what, that's real. I like that the author kept it real. Maybe that's why these dystopians feel more real because they're kind of mm-hmm. honest about like just what you said about, was it called Gear Breakers, talking about the real trauma that these, you know, these kids are experiencing and the repercussions of it for them in the future versus Danny not displaying that kind of undesirable side to her mm-hmm. like personality. I also like the juxtaposition of like in the beginning of each chapter, there's an excerpt from the video school for girls, which kind of just like, it's kind of like all these rules, like a rule book they have. And it, it'll have like little, I don't want to say proverbs, just little yeah. excerpts. <laughs> proverbs is the wrong word. Little excerpts from uh, the book, just describing how the girls, how a proper primera etc. should be. Um, so as the story progresses, each chapter has that at the beginning, but Danny's feelings on everything start to kind of change. So it's cool to have that juxtaposition of that kind of prim and proper way she was trained for the last five years with where she's at now. Mm. 
it's like that meme how it started yeah how it is <laughs> you know what I mean that's great so, <laughs> so yeah it's like I said it's uh definitely great exploration of privilege um there are times that yeah like I said she's annoyed by the protesters she feels like she's inconvenienced also lots of action and a sweet queer romance mm-hmm. you know so it's a good you know it's a good little little dip into there so yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I've read both of that, those books. It's a duology, I believe. And they are so good. I love yes. I love that series. I'm so glad that you found that one because, yeah, I thought it was ugh, just so good. So many mm-hmm. feelings about that one. Many feelings. Before we do our next picks, we should do another sponsor. Sounds good. Okay, so our next sponsor, Battle of the Bands, edited by Lauren Gabaldi and Eric Smith. Balance of the Bands is a YA anthology that features diverse characters and contributors. A daughter of music royalty has a secret crush, a lonely ticket taker worries about his sister, an almost famous songwriter nurses old wounds. These stories and more all explore one unforgettable high school's Battle of the Bands event. All stories are interconnected over the course of one night with first and third person point of view. This anthology is a celebration of youth, music, and meeting the challenges of life head on. Battle of the Bands is out now. I know someone in that anthology. Ow, Jen, okay, ow, my, ow. my friend Preeti, who's a former book writer, wrote the one that takes place at the merch table, okay. which I love as a concept, right? It's like not just the band people, but also the merch folks. The merch people. whatnot. So I'm super excited to get my hands on that. Oh, that sounds really cool. Shout out Preeti. Hey, girl. Okay, right. So more dystopia. So the next one, it does not have mechas in it. It bucks the trend, my mini trend that I've discovered. (laughs) It does have robots, although I'm going to not tell too much about that because spoilers. So my next pick is The Ones We're Meant to Find by Joan Huh. And this is such an interesting book, y'all. It's like a quieter book because there's not like explosions there's no battles mm. there's no like war even it mm-hmm. is it is a much quieter sort of thinky but also very feelingsy like don't worry mm-hmm. you're gonna have all the feelings uh mm-hmm. read and this is also interesting too because it is one that looks pretty on the outside and still until you really start to dig into it So you have two different narratives again, but this is the thing I love is two different narrators. One of them, Casey, is living in, it's called an eco city. It literally floats and it's like stacked so that, you know, there's all of these different levels to it. And, you know, the the have the heaviest of the haves, because everybody who's in here is a have. So the heaviest haves, show title, is uh, at the top (laughs) and like the literal top strata. And then as you get down, people have, you know, less privileges. But still, the only people who are allowed into the eco city in the first place are people who have the right like carbon score. Like they and their ancestors have not been responsible for a lot of pollution because this is a a future in which like climate change and pollution has really wreaked Mm -hmm. havoc with the world. So you're only allowed into the eco city if you have like the right score. And otherwise it's like, you know, very, you just can't get in. So Casey is the daughter of like a very high up man uh, in the, in the system. And she, her sister, her twin sister has, or no, her older sister. I I don't know why I want to believe that they're twins, but it's her older sister has disappeared. And everybody's like asking her about it because Celia was very popular and, Everybody has like a theory 
Brady about what happened. And it's like a whole big deal. And she's just like, just leave me alone. Like, I don't want anything to do with any of you. I just want you to leave me alone. And she is dealing with a lot of different things, including that she has been banned from doing tech things because of an incident that you don't find out about until later. And so she's just like struggling on all of these different levels, trying to figure out what happened to her sister, trying to avoid people being up in her business about it. Her father's very absent. They lost her mother when she was younger. So like she's very alone. And then we have C, who is someone who has been trapped on an abandoned island for three years, has no memories. All she knows is that somewhere out there, she has a sister she's trying to get back to. And she's like trying to build a boat. And like, that's really complicated. She's also having these dreams where she wakes up in the ocean. Like she sleepwalks into the ocean. She's like, Mm -mm. one of these days, that's not good. Like I'm going to die. Already her survival is very tenuous. And then one day a boy washes up on the beach and like, there's something weird about him, but there's also (laughs) something weird about her. And you're like, okay, I don't know what's going on here. In the meantime, she's been alone on an island for three years, except for with this little robot that's like you know not actually like a good conversationalist or a real person it just like it has a very rote script that it responds so she's like happy for the company but also it's complicated because weird things are happening and the way these two narratives unfold and twine around each other is amazing I don't want to say too much about the plot because I really do think that the way it develops is so worth experiencing for yourself without knowing too much about it but I, I love that it's thinking about the different solutions for climate change and then mm-hmm. really digging into what the actual full ramifications of those solutions would, would be. And I love how it's navigating this very complicated sister and family dynamic that mm-hmm. exists in the book. It's so it really digs into it's like, I hate you, but I love you. Like sometimes mm. I can't stand you, but also you are my person and I need mm. you. And yeah, exactly. It's so good. And yeah. then, you know, complicated feelings about like who we are to the rest of the world. Like it's all ugh, it's so juicy. There's so much going on in here. And I thought it was so well written. I love the characters. And it really is going to give you a very different kind of reading experience than most of the other books that we're talking about. Because like I said, it's not like big action-y battles, you know, conspiracies to bring down the government. Like it's a much quieter, but still very sharp and like interesting and piercing look at government and personal responsibility. So again, that is The Ones We're Meant to Find by Joan Huh. I can see myself reading that, honestly, mm. um, in addition to the other ones. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like that it's it's not quite action, yeah. action-y. I like action. Like, Same. I love, yeah, like, I definitely like it. But it's just like, it just sounds like kind of a different experience. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. also, side note, the cover is really pretty. <laughs> it's so good. I know, it's so pretty. But yeah, no, that's going on the list. And I relate to complicated sibling feelings Mm -hmm. because some of them get on my nerves, but (laughs) you know. (laughs) So the next one I have is Sky Hunter by Marie Lu. So in the beginning of Sky Hunter, we're introduced. Oh, I should say this is part of a series, a first in series. So in the beginning, we're introduced to these like creepy, ghoulish creatures who apparently used to be human. They're called ghosts. And ghosts are basically zombies used by what's called the Currents of Federation to like go forth and attack cities and villages and take control. And Talon is a refugee who was scarred by an attack on her hometown when she was a little girl. It left her with scarred vocal cords that now require her to use sign language to communicate. 
which actually comes in handy against the ghosts because they have poor eyesight, but excellent hearing, um, which is kind of sounds like a quiet place. Mm. Uh, what I think it was, cause I'm, again, I'm a weenie, so I didn't see it. I don't do scary. <laughs> I don't do scary things. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I would read horror, horror books, but I don't watch scary movies really. So Italian is what's called a striker. They're soldiers that fight against the ghost creatures and try to defend Mara, which is becoming increasingly, Mara is basically like doomed, but you know, they're still fighting the good fight, trying to stick it out. Um, Strikers are very loyal to each other and are kind of bonded to what they call their shield and their shield is like their partner. So even though Talon experiences a lot of xenophobia by the other people of Mara, she at least has like some refuge in her fellow strikers. One day they capture a former Federation fighter and the Federation fighter basically gives the strikers like all the tea on the Federation. She's like, listen, girl, this is what they do. This is where they be. What you trying to do? You know? <laughs> so uh, since the number of ghosts is increasing and they're desperate, uh, like I said, it's kind of like even they know that it's kind of like only a matter of time before Mara falls. They decide to make a plan based on this information that they got from this former Federation soldier and they use they want to use the information to yeah plan plan an attack basically on the federation um and this attack is going against direct orders that they got so this is pretty action-packed and i think it was interesting to see a main character in an action fantasy that uses sign language Hmm. that's pretty cool and there's a diversity of like skin tones and stuff like that there's also some great queer representation i like that talent explores exactly why she's defending a place that has been so hostile towards her as well Mm. you can again speaking of dystopian ya novels and their correlation to or their relationship with what real life people of color experience Mm. that can definitely be uh, something oh jen i know we kind of briefly mentioned like disney plus but that is a conversation i don't know if you watched what is the long name one with Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan? The Winter Soldier and the- Oh yeah, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yes, that name is too long. <laughs> I forgot what it is. I'm like, the, the one with the two of them. So have you watched that? No, I skipped it because I read some reviews that made me think I wasn't going to enjoy it very much. That's fair. That's quite fair. I don't, I'm not caring about the What If series personally, the little mm, cartoon. No, it's kind of no. like, mm. it's. I was surprised. I was like, Disney. Mm. Yeah. No. Um, but in this, in that, in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we are, we already know that Anthony Mackie's character, uh, Falcon is supposed to like take over Captain America's mm-hmm. shield. That's in, you know, that's like canon or whatever. So there is this question that comes up, like he as a black man in America, who's, you know, been there his whole life, his family's from there. How is he trying to like sacrifice everything for a country mm. that does not does not defend him, doesn't have his best interests at heart, has been basically screwing his family over and people that look like him over since, you know, we came ashore. Mm-hmm. So I like that that element is here and talent explores it. Um, I think that, you know, it's obviously a one-to-one comparison. Yeah. Uh, it's very obvious over even so Again, that was Skyhunter by Marie Lu. Definitely get into it if you have a chance. 
I haven't read that series yet, but I've read Lou's other works and like it mm-hmm. it's it's on my long list. And now it's I have to bump it up uh, after hearing that that pitch mm-hmm. for it. So <laughs> we're just Definitely. up in here recommending each other's you're blowing up each other's TBRs. TBRs for real. Yeah, it's, yeah. All right. Well, my last pick is War Girls by Tochi Onyebuchi. It's the first in a series. The second one just came out very recently or will be out soon. It's, it's out this year. So, you know, you don't have to wait that long for the next installment, which you are going to want after you read this first one. There is some resolution, but like, ugh, it's, a, it's a rough ending. So right. this and this is the one I was referring to earlier when I was saying that, like, some of these authors are legit taking a thing that happened and mm-hmm. then putting it in the future. And Onibuchi has said that like when he started he sat down to write this it was the pitch was Gundam Wing plus the Nigerian Civil War. So oh my gosh. That's what we've got. It is 100%. That is what this book is. So it takes oh place in 2172 and Nigeria is having a civil war. There's this new Biafra rebels who are trying to like establish independence and This has been going on for some time. And the battles have meant that there are, first of all, a lot of child soldiers, which, again, from history, it's a thing. And a lot of them have, like, uh, you know, mechanical parts, like that bionic limbs, new organs, Mm. you know. There are all kinds of tech has been embedded into them, both to make up for the injuries that they have sustained, but also to make them better soldiers, including piloting these, like, big mech robot suits. And so we have two sisters, Oni and Ify, and they are living in a rebel camp. Uh, And Oni has been a child soldier for a long time, and she has sort of helped make this camp happen. It's almost it's entirely girls and they are like looking out for each other. They're trying to they're just trying to protect themselves and Mm -hmm. stay under the radar. Like they're not out here trying to do any like raids or anything. They're just trying to live. But of course, everybody makes that very difficult for them. Their camp is discovered. Everything, you know, goes to hell in a handbasket. And they get separated. And Ify is taken to Nigeria by those forces and, like, incorporated into that. And you it, you you get their diverging, you get their bond, first of all, and mm-hmm. then their diverging life paths. And through their two perspectives, you see how this conflict has, sh- like, twisted and warped the minds of those involved, the excuses and rationalizations that people use to mm-hmm. inflict violence on each other, you know, including like colorism and religious intolerance and all mm-hmm. of these things. And like the ways that they talk about about each other are like, it's pretty graphic, y'all. Like this mm-hmm. is a graphic, violent book. It is also, again, so good at like digging into how this happens and what it does to people. And there are amazing action sequences. Space is going to play a role. Mm-hmm. I, it's just like, it's really fascinating the tech that is envisioned, like the, like the different ways that technology has advanced and shaped the world is fascinating it's just so engrossing and compelling and like i said it is rough because you know this is this is civil war like that people involved are tearing each other apart in really painful and harmful ways and what that means for our characters is a lot Mm -hmm. like it's a lot 
I think that, you know, Onibuchi is, a, is a, an author who handles it really skillfully and very deliberately. And I also learned a lot from this book. It's in the Nigerian Civil War is not something I knew a lot about. And it's definitely something that I'm going to educate myself on so that I have more context for this book. But I just I think it's, you know, again, it's a must read if you if you are interested in deconstructing what it means to have an oppressive government, what it means to rebel against a government and then the choices that you make when you do that. Right. So, okay. Another <laughs> thing on my list. What's interesting. Okay. I'm realizing that, I mean, I mentioned it before, but I'm like, I have very real immediate uh, connections to some of these themes in mm. these books. My dad is from Nigeria and oh, he wow. actually tells this story of how he was kidnapped for like when he was like a teenager because of the war and yeah he tells a story of like how he was brought to this like enclosure well not enclosure more like a a shed or something some some little building and he was kind of thrown into there with these other people and he met this like father and son these this father and son duo who had escaped from those effort like from Uh, capture before because like Mm -hmm. they were you know capture them and make them fight on their side yeah whatever and um he says how he he they like started to like there were like probably i don't know 10 or more 20 i don't know other people there other men and boys and they started like they made this noise like they pretended to like sing like a war song to like Mm. cause a distraction and then they kind of broke the gate in the back and then like ran out and like waited in another village or something so they wouldn't be recaptured. Oof. So it has a link to me. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. That's real. Dang, um, yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, um, it's interesting. Oh my gosh, goodness. Um, also author, Nigerian author, Wole Soyenka um, is coming out with another book. I'm not sure if it's, if it's not out yet, I don't have it in front of me. Mm. But it's not out yet. It's coming out. It's coming out this year. And um, for those unfamiliar, not a YA author, but he was the first Black person to win a Nobel Prize in literature, I believe. Mm -hmm. And so his new book is, why I'm mentioning that, apart from the obvious Nigerian connection, is that, well, it's a Nigerian author talking about Nigeria. And his new book, part of the main story is how these like body parts are being stolen from a hospital. Mm. So when you mentioned these kids having their body parts like swapped in and out it just kind of first of all that had like a kind of visceral reaction to that um but also it's just it seems to be kind of a recurring theme with Nigeria Mm. and stuff I'm Mm. not I'm not quite sure why but yeah so I was thinking some things as you were describing it's a lot it's a lot yeah yeah definitely um another story another book that's a lot is Sanctuary by Paola Mendoza and Abby Shear. This also starts off with some really intense imagery. It's set in 2032, which again, I feel attacked. That's only in like yeah. <laughs> less than 15 years. Why are you doing this to me? But anyway, so it's set in 2032 and Bally and her family are basically, they're like watching this illegal live footage. And the, the footage is illegal because the government has control over like um they control what people watch and listen to and stuff like that so her and her mother and her brother are watching this footage like on her phone of a wall which was a wall that was constructed between california and mexico it shows a teenage girl not unlike bali 
trying to cross the border. So you have these two groups on either side of the girl in the video. Like you have the Mexicans who are kind of like cheering her on and encouraging her. Some of them are like, you know, maybe come back, (laughs) don't go, you know, don't try to cross the border. Um, And then you have the soldiers on the Californian side, or actually maybe not the Californian side, I guess the rest of the United States, because later California becomes a uh, sanctuary city. So they kind of like secede from the rest of the United States to be a sanctuary city or state, I guess, sanctuary state. So you have Mexicans cheering the teenage girl on and you have the soldiers who are referred to as green zombies, which I think was an interesting description because I remember, um, it reminds me of this thing a few years back. I heard about how there was like a study in, and let me know if you've heard of this, but like based on who is, what party is in power, it kind of influences what kind of movies and shows are made, like as far as mm, monsters are mm. concerned. Like if you have Democrats in power, then there are a lot of vampire movies and shows made because vampires are like, they're kind of like godless, they're kind of sexy, you know, they're like foreigners or whatever. Have you heard? And then if no. Republicans are in order or in power, sorry, in office, then you have a lot of zombie stuff coming out because the fear, like Democrats fear that. Republicans are like mindless zombies, right? Have you, you ever heard of I'm that? I have to look this up. I yeah. have. So this is a fascinating idea. I also yeah. have a question, so I'm gonna have to look it up. I have to. I'll send you. I looked it up, kind of like your um dystopian meaning yes. soapbox. I was like, I heard this years ago, and I've been carrying it with me for all this time. Let me Google real quick to see if this is valid. <laughs> I did. I'll send you a link. Okay. I, I saw something from HuffPost or something from a yeah. couple years ago. But anyway, so I just thought it was interesting that Paula mentioned um these green zombies because I was like it just came, that came to my mind mm. immediately so anyway um so this girl again this is in the very beginning so it's not a spoiler she's uh on the, in, the girl in the video she's wearing this mickey mouse shirt she's like really like skinny and just like kind of you know a slight figure and I think just everything together it's just it's just screaming you know little girl So Mm -hmm. then she's like, she steps on a mine and she blows up into smithereens and her, her Mickey Mouse shirt is here and there and in pieces and there's pieces of her everywhere. And um, Valley's eight-year-old brother is like, where does she go? Cause she just was there. And the next second she wasn't. And it just, so Valley, I should say her and her family are, they don't have legal documentation, right? So they're in Vermont, just trying to make it. And so this girl was also trying to, you know, um, mm-hmm. escape to a better life, but she didn't have the privilege of doing it legally. So she was, you know, kind of just tired of it and was just like, F it, I'm about to cross this border. Mm. And so, as you can imagine, that makes, you know, things more real, even more real for Valley and her and her family. So there are also these chips that they have implanted in themselves that basically tell you everything, like if they would be scanned or whatever, they tell everything about you, your name, where you live, et cetera. It's basically like a driver's license, but in your skin. Mm. So now because of increased deportation rates and scrutiny of ID chips, like an increased scrutiny on them, Valley's mom's ID chip starts to malfunction because as I said before, they don't have legal documentation and Valley's mom's chip is illegal. So her chip starts to malfunction and since, as I had mentioned before as well, California has become a sanctuary. Valley, her eight-year-old brother and her mother, they embark on this like perilous journey to get from Vermont to California. And it can get, the journey can get pretty gruesome. 
They have to overcome natural as well as human threats. And I think it's a really good representation of what migrants coming to the U.S. have to deal with. Mm. I have some people in my family who are who are undocumented and no undocumented people. And like the, what they call the coyotes or mm. the, um, pardon my terrible Spanish accent, <laughs> but the coyotes, they're like the people who transport people across the border. They're like terrible and ruthless. And mm. I've heard some really terrible stories about, especially like along the border, like they're being like, no, this is real, like real life, like, like bodies lined up and stuff like that. Mm. People trying to escape. So that's definitely mirrored here. Um, and it's pretty, you know, it gets real. It's, it's sad. <laughs> it's a sad story. Yeah. But it's real again. And that is Sanctuary by Paola Mendoza and Abby Shear. We got really real. Whew. Yeah. Mm. But that's what it's for, right? Yeah. No, it is. I think so. so. Yeah. I sent us down. <laughs> I, you know what? I really appreciated being able to look at these in the context of now, right? Mm-hmm. Versus 2008 and talk about it with you. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for going on this journey. <laughs> so no, it was you. really interesting. I'm glad that you recommended it actually. And I promise I'm not triggered. Just have Good. to call up my psychologist real quick. I'm just yeah. kidding. I'm just kidding. No, it was a really interesting conversation. I like ha- yeah, having that lens to view this uh, subgenre through Mm. it's very interesting and i'm definitely gonna um dive into some more dystopians after this i think awesome yeah so that's all we have today uh thank you for tuning in this week please leave feedback about the show on apple Podcasts to let us know how we're doing and to help others find us don't forget to visit bookriot.com for newsletters more podcasts and all things bookish including our insiders program Thanks again to today's sponsors for helping make the show possible. And thanks to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. Uh, you can follow Jen. Do you have any place people can follow Oh, you? yeah. So I'm on social media break at the moment. But when I am mm-hmm. on social media, you can find me on Twitter and Tumblr as Jen IRL, J-E-N-N-I-R-L, or on Instagram at I am Jen IRL. Nice, nice. And I am on Twitter only occasionally at Erica underscore E-Z-E underscore That's E-R-I-C-A underscore E-Z-E underscore. Thanks so much for listening and we'll talk to you again in two weeks. Or rather, Kelly and I will talk to you again (laughs) in two weeks. Jen will be on her regular podcast, Get Booked. Indeed. Indeed.